Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 50 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. That's right, we made it to 50 episodes. Seasoned Athlete is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes representing a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For episode number 50, we're featuring an interview with a woman who has become known on social media as the Beast Mode Grandma. I'm talking about Sue Spencer. She is a late in life athlete in the truest sense of the phrase. Sue is an Olympic weightlifter who didn't get her start until she was in her 60s, proving once again that it's never too late to try something new. Now she is rocking local and international competitions, earning records and inspiring people along the way through her social media presence and her own coaching, which we'll get into in the interview. If you ever have thought that it was too late for you to get fit or try a new sport, hopefully Sue's story will change your mind. And with that said, here's my conversation with the Beast Mode Grandma herself, Sue Spencer. Hi, Sue. Hi, how are you today? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I am. That's good to hear. You are Sue Spencer of Vancouver, British Columbia, also known as Beast Mode Grandma. You're a late in life athlete who has found mental and physical wellness, health, and strength through competitive Olympic weightlifting. Since you began competing at age 61, you've earned multiple age group and provincial records and have had the opportunity to compete in your home country as well as internationally. You now seek to inspire others through your business Lift You Up Coaching, where you work with women to make positive life changes both emotionally and and physically. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Um, no, I think that you pretty much covered it. All right. Well, then we're just going to go right to the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I'm 64, soon to be 65 in April. I love it. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, when did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like? Well, you know, um, when I was in maybe elementary school, I probably did some sports, but um, I wasn't an athlete at all when I was younger. I did a little bit of running when I was in my 20s, and that was pretty much it. I kind of went to the gym, didn't really work out all that much. I, I thought there would be a great idea to go to the gym, <laughs> but I never really did anything. And it wasn't until I was in my late 50s that I actually sort of got organized and um, went to the gym and then it just transformed me. You said it was your late 50s. That's a big gap from your early 20s. So what was what was the reason? Why did you decide in your late 50s that now is the time? Well, I had spent a lot of time um, when my kids were young being involved in things that, that they were doing, and um, they were involved in sports. So I got involved in sports from a other, you know, like from the side as a parent helping out, and then I got really involved with the sport. They were both involved in speed skating, so I got quite involved with speed skating in Canada, and um, I was an official, and I did that kind of thing, but... 
always sort of watching from the sidelines and um, I was very overweight, um, hadn't lost the baby weight for my son who happens to now be almost 35. So <laughs> I finally decided I better do something about that. And I just needed to really make a health change in my life. And um, that was the first thing my daughter was expecting her son. And uh, that kind of made me think that I kind of wanted to be a fun grandma that was able to get out and do stuff with him. So um, that's really what pushed me. And I just kind of surrendered to it, I guess, of a lot of people get sort of worried about what people are going to think and, and, you know, going into a gym is very intimidating. And I just sort of took the attitude that I was going to um, really be open to whatever opportunities came my way and the possibilities that could come from that. So that I have never read Shonda Rhimes book, The Year of Yes, but that's kind of what I, what I did. And um, when I first went to the gym, I, um, was having a tour around and I was sort of like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I can't do certain things because of my knees. And the fellow just sort of said, oh, well, we have somebody that can help you with that. So I just said, okay. So I had no intention of working with a personal trainer or anything else, but I just thought I'm going to be open to it. So I worked with this person that helped me with my knees and gain analysis and all that kind of thing. And then I had some extra, um, parts of the package that I could work with a personal trainer and I happened to be connected with this fellow I was really specific it had to be somebody that I could work with first thing in the morning before I went to work because I knew that the gym was between my house and my and my office and if I I didn't do it then I wasn't going to do it and so I connected with this personal trainer who I still work with today and um, he just his attitude was we're working on strength training and functional fitness and that's how he trains all of his clients but particularly clients that are a little bit older and um i don't know why you know how you just connect with someone right from the start and i just totally trusted him right from the very first day that i worked with him so after a couple of sessions i thought well this is kind of of brain dead you know if if I'm not doing it right he's going to tell me and if I'm still not doing it right he's going to tell me again so we sort of went through that process and discovered that I was really quite strong and way stronger than I ever assumed that I was and so with that um, I went through a process of changing my diet and um, just eating far more healthy than I had been before um really being aware of what I was doing, working out six days a week, um, three days a week with him, but also the other days I sort of got in that mindset that I just needed to keep going and going and going. And I just took every day as a, a one thing at a time. And, um, you know, I'd go in the gym and I'd see all these really buff people and I just think they have no idea where I am in my journey and whether I'm at the start or I'm at the end or in between and every day is going to be a different day for me. So that was my attitude. And, um, after about a year I'd lost between 75 and a hundred pounds. It's hard to tell because when you do strength training, you gain a lot of muscle. Um, but I'd lost, um, a lot of weight. And so my trainer said to me, you know, you really need to, um, get a new goal because you need to have something that's going to move you forward. 
So I remembered that my brother-in-law had been a swimmer and he swam in the World Masters Games when it was in Edmonton in Canada. And um, so I thought, oh, I wonder what they have in the way of like power lifting because I knew that I could do a deadlift and stuff. So, But they didn't have that. They had Olympic lifting, which I had no idea how technically <laughs> precise <laughs> it was or difficult to learn. But I naively went back to him and said, okay, I, I've got my new goal. I want to go to the World Masters Games in 2017, which was about, I guess, about two, three years away. And um, I want to learn how to do Olympic weightlifting. And so he said, sure. He had done Olympic lifting when he was in university. And he'd gone to a university in the States on a scholarship for baseball and he said, yeah, I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. So we've worked together on that. And um, I just really, um, like, it's it's empowering to to be able to realize what your strength is. And it, and it filters into all different areas of your, of your life, whether it's your mental health or your physical health or, or just your connections with other people. And um, that's what I found really amazing. He's really involved in social media. And so he kind of gave me some pointers on how to do it and got me started. And now I have a huge following and um, people that are really interested in the fact that here's this like woman who doesn't really look like an athlete <laughs> at all, but I call myself an athlete and I am an athlete. Absolutely. They follow me and they're interested in what I have to say and, and supportive. And it's, and it's cool to be able to support those other people too. And so I've met people from all over the world that um, are either doing something similar or they're just really changing their life dramatically. So. Yeah, it's it's unconventional. You don't hear this story all the time about people, you know, hear, hear the story about, you know, I need to lose weight and how you started your story, basically, where your why was I'm about to be a grandma. I want to be able to run around with the grandkids like that's that's a solid why. That's usually the why behind why you want to lose weight is, you know, I want to. I want to be there for my family and I want to be active for my family. And that's how it started with you. But it's just mm -hmm. taken it's taken on this life of its own that you don't hear as much about where it's like, OK, I lost the weight. Now what? I'm I'm going to I love that you're like, I don't know what Olympic weightlifting is, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I actually I do do some um like workshops every once in a while with people. And I and I really get a kick out of going into a workshop with a whole bunch of CrossFitters generally that are doing Olympic lifting. And um, they kind of look at me like, what's she going to do? Well, right. she's actually going to lift 295 pounds in a deadlift. That's what she's going to do. Yeah, maybe you don't judge a book by its cover. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's so many um, older athletes that really um they haven't found it yet they haven't found that like nobody has to be necessarily a weightlifter right but there's so many things that you can discover about yourself and then just find a passion for i love olympic weightlifting i go to the gym um three times a week with my trainer and we just work on Olympic lifts. So he basically watches me what I'm doing and occasionally comments. And it's like a, a solitude time. It's a time for me of just 
concentrating on what I'm doing. And I walk out of that gym after an hour or so. And it's like I've done a meditation or something. It's very, very relaxing in that way. Mentally, you you are so focused that you're not thinking about all those other things that go on in, in the world. And so for me, it's been like amazing that way. And um, just being able to let go of other stuff, it's like incredible that, um, I know my kids said to me, gee, mom, you're not so angry anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I take it out on the bar. (laughs) Yeah, I was angry before. I didn't know. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, thanks for the compliment. (laughs) (laughs) But things don't bother me the way that they used to. You know, I don't get... um, irritated by you know driving through the city and and um in traffic and things like that i can be pretty chill about that kind of thing and um i know it's related to not necessarily the the weightlifting but finding that thing in my life that is health so it's it it's everything it's it's i eat way differently i know when i first had been doing it for about a year somebody in the gym said to me oh you should be a personal trainer and I said oh I'm not interested in knowing how what muscles go work this way and that way and now I'm just like I go to a massage therapist once a week and um, when I go like I'm extremely specific as to what muscles and how they're connecting that are that I need him to work on like it's just like it's it's a a process that just sort of evolved and I'm like so surprised that that I'm so aware when I eat something I'm celiac so um that can um you know have an impact on on your inflammation and and everything else and um so I'm really really careful about what I eat now and you know 10 years ago you never would have heard me say oh I don't want to miss a day at the gym or that's part of my routine So that's been really cool. Yeah. You know, the more you find joy in it, the more it evolves in your life, the deeper you go, the more you care about what you eat and the more you notice how you feel when you kind of go off your regular routine. Um, And because it it affects you, you know, the more you take care of yourself, the more it'll affect you if you deviate from that and you notice it right away. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, And and I want to touch on a point that you made about about your training being therapeutic, because I think a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and, and I see that I, I own a gym and I have clients come in and when they miss, when they don't come in for a little while and then I see them again, they're like, Oh, now I understand why I need to be coming here. And it's not necessarily the physical training. That's just one small part of it, but it's the, it's Mm -hmm. almost like therapy. It, it's their one hour of mental health in a very stressful life that they might be living. And so I have several clients that tell me that the time they spend in the gym is as much emotional and mental as it is physical. And I think those who are not training and not taking care of themselves that way, they don't necessarily understand what training can do for them on so many levels, not just physical. Yes. And I think that it's also um, a lot to do with, um, you know, my generation, um, it was all about helping other people, being being there for other people, doing that kind of thing. And, and people who um, just did something for themselves were considered selfish or, or um, you know, something like that. And I know um, people at my work obviously know that I, 
I do Olympic lifting and, and were very supportive when I went to New Zealand for the World Masters Games. And um, I had one woman say to me, like, oh, I can't believe you do that every day in the morning. Like, I could never um, leave my family and just do that. And she was trying to guilt me about it. And I just thought, well, sucks to be you because I, it's very important for me that I have that time. I have a routine that I do in the morning and I'm not somebody who's really super structured generally. And that's been a challenge for me as a, um, an older athlete that's come to it as a, as an older athlete is when I first started out, I was just doing it. And now I have to be really specific about what I'm doing and the movements that I'm doing and the focus that I have. And so I've gone from somebody who just sort of went through life, you know, enjoying it, but also not, not being really routine other than my job. Um, that's changed as well. I get up at five o'clock every morning, regardless of whether I'm working out or not. And I, I have a routine of meditation and, and into the bulletproof coffee and that kind of thing. Like I have a routine that I do throughout my day and I've toyed around with a lot of different uh, ways of, of being healthy, whether that's, um, you know, trying intermittent fasting or keto or, or high carbs, low carbs, everything, you know, you do that over the course of, of your life of, of eating things. But I, but what I found is that I'm, it's really easy for me now to be able to tell whether something agrees with me or not. And I, you know, I'm obviously I want to be my fittest that I can to compete, but I also am not so worried about the number on the scale. I'm more concerned that I feel my best internally as well as externally. So that's sort of where I I've I've sort of come with that, that it's 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 not about the food. It's about being able to feel mentally healthy, which then flows into the food that you're eating, how does that make you feel once you've eaten it? So that's kind of where I'm, where I am with that. Um, and as and as you mentioned, your family has noticed that you're you don't get angry, you don't get impatient yeah. as much. So it's made yeah. you a better family member. Which the woman you talk to probably doesn't understand that that actually yeah. taking care of yourself and taking that time for yourself can make you better for the people you take care of. Yeah, for sure, and it's. Um, it's really cool for me to see, um, you know, I, my kids are very different. My daughter is very outgoing. My son is very quiet. And for my birthday last year, he bought me some um, plates for my, I have a 45-pound parcel for me. So <laughs> I'm asking all the questions in the store, and he's then starting to go off on, you know, how I've got these Canadian records and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> He's proud of me. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's pretty I'm, freaking cool. Like, you know, that that your mom or your grandma does all this stuff because most people can't say that. Yeah. And it's and I've had a lot of fun with the whole Beast Mode Grandma moniker. My um, Instagram now is Lift You Up Coaching because I'm I'm starting that business and I'm, I'm hoping to connect with, with women and men that are, you know, just didn't do anything. They spent every, all their time focused on their family or their work or both and, and now need to, 
really have some me time and, and think about how they can be their best self. And um, so that's why I've changed it. But the beast mode grandma thing, um, I just was in the gym and, and I lifted something heavy and I messaged my daughter and I said, oh, yeah, I think they call that beast mode. Beast mode grandma. <laughs> that's what the kids say, right? Beast mode. <laughs> yeah. So now my license plate on my car is BMG. <laughs> That's so cool. And I have, um, yeah, I have like all sorts of stuff that's beast mode grandma and that. And it's funny if I'm, I live in a very small village just outside of, of um, Vancouver called Ladner. And um, it's a little fishing village. And my daughter and son-in-law know a lot of people in the, in the town. And I've just moved there in the last couple of years. And we were coming out of a store, and I hear this guy from across the parking lot yell, Beast Mode Grandma! And I'm like, oh my goodness. You're famous in your town. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of fun that way. I've had a lot of fun with that. And and my son-in-law, whenever one of his friends comes over he, and I'm there, he's like, you know she can lift way heavier than you. She can lift, she can lift you. (laughs) So I want to get back to lifting because some of our listeners may not know what Olympic lifting is and what, what types of lifts are included. Can you talk a little bit about the types of lifts that you do in your competitions? Sure. So, um, the two lifts that you do are the snatch and the, um, clean and jerk. So the snatch, you start with your arms sort of wide on the bar, um, sort of almost squatting down and you go up in one movement where you bring the bars directly up over your head and then um, in a, and land in a squat and then you stand up. In the clean and jerk, you um, bring your the bar, your hands are a bit closer together, but you bring the bar up to your um, shoulders sort of and land in a squat and then you stand up and then you press it in the jerks sort of above your head. So it's the same lifts that you would see um, at the Olympics that they don't do power lifting at the Olympics. They do Olympic lifting. And so that's, those are the two lifts. So you have, when you go into a competition, you have three chances to do each one. And then um, that's it. So um, I had never competed in anything before in my life before the first time I, I did, um, a provincial championships for masters because there's not a lot of real you know you may as well just go big right yeah. <laughs> just go right for it you know, there's not that many women my age that that do olympic lifting so it's you know like there's not a huge field that you're you're working right. against but um it's always um based on your age in a five-year increment as well as your weight category so there's different weight categories within each age group. Um, so when I was in New Zealand, there were actually 13 women that were in that age category, but we were all more or less, there were maybe two or three at the most in each uh, weight category. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. And can you give me some examples of your, maybe your records, your personal records for each of these lifts? I want to give people an idea of what you're lifting. So, um, my highest that I've done so far is um, my record for um, uh, clean and jerk is about 115 pounds. I've actually done 120 pounds in you know, in the gym and under no pressure. All right. <laughs> um, and then my snatch is about 88 
88 pounds, I think. 88 or 92, I can't remember. Not too shabby for, for not too shabby, period. Like, you can outlift me right now. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for those who don't lift, this is this is pushing weight over your head. So, you know, that's some heavy-duty weight you're pushing over your head. Yeah, and you know the crazy thing, you know, whenever you say that you do deadlifts or you do, um, you know, Olympic lifting or anything like that, people always sort of wince and hold their lower do the Do that, that old lady low back bent over thing. <laughs> yeah. And the crazy thing is that my knees and my back have been 100% better since I've started lifting. So I have no problems with my knees at all. I was at a point where they weren't necessarily sore, but I would walk upstairs and I could hear this like little crunchy sounds. That's completely gone. Um, and I guess that's just building up the muscle properly and walking properly. But um, I have like an extra vertebrae in my back. So my back naturally would curve more than than somebody else's. And because of the lifting, it straightened dramatically. So health-wise that way, that's made a huge difference to my life too. Like I don't get a sore back. You know, I've had a few instances in the last little while where I've had a problem with my shoulder, but it's not necessarily directly related to the lifting. It's just, you know, sleeping funny or twisting funny or doing something else like that, not stretching properly. But um, huge amount, yeah, it's just, and, and when you're doing the lifts, they look like you're, you know, yanking the stuff up. And yes, absolutely, that is how I started out is that it, you know, you can muscle up a certain amount of weight. But then at one point you get beyond that where you've learned the technique properly. And as you start to lift it, it becomes kind of weightless. And so as you're, you're lifting, you can lift more because you're not lifting from the ground 200 pounds or 150 pounds or something like that, you're you're moving it in a motion of, of drive and, and explosion. And so it does become kind of weightless. Yeah, you create that momentum with through lower body power. I, I, I do work with my clients on a little bit of um, Olympic lifting and it, helping them understand that it's like if you do it right, you're not doing a whole lot with your upper body. Because yeah. the drive comes from the lower body. Yeah. And it's all about the power and the speed of that that explosion, as you said, to create that momentum. Yeah. So when you have um, slow twitch muscles, a little bit harder to um, get that whole thing going smoothly and quickly. But, um, you know, perseverance for sure has... Um, made a big difference so I only competed once last year I um my brother was quite ill and passed away from cancer and so that was sort of the focus and you know the repercussions after that of of just deciding not to compete in a big way um but I've worked on my technique and so my technique now from two years ago when I went to New Zealand is quite dramatically different so um, I'm interested to see what happens um, in March when I compete next and see whether the technique is going to allow me to actually lift heavier than I have been. Yeah, spending that, spending that extra time really focusing on that. I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how you do. Yeah. <laughs> 
So let's talk about some of the highs and lows of your competitive career, your fairly short competitive career thus far. Uh, Can you take us back to your worst competitive moment or your your worst day competing? Um, You know, I actually have been really fortunate that um, I have had some lifts that I haven't made, but I haven't had where I've just sort of totally had to bail, fallen down or anything like that. I think the one thing that really, um, when I first started, I had absolutely no idea. I'd never competed in anything in my life. I had no idea whether I was going to walk on that stage and, um, you know, because it's like a platform, um, and just like freak out and not be able to do anything or anything. So for me, that first time, um, that was a real challenge, real challenge. And I just, I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know any of the other people that were competing at the event um, or what the, you know, like the intimidation of, you know, when you're warming up of what the other people are doing and, and being able to, you know, create your space and, and own who you are in your space and do what you need to do and not worry about what anybody else has. So for me, that was like the really big one. And I actually, I have a video of, of the first lift that I did. And my trainer has always been very athletic. He's six foot seven. So that's kind of funny. I'm five foot two. So (laughs) I saw a picture on your Instagram of you two. It was really cool. (laughs) So he played soccer and baseball and he went to um, LSU on a baseball scholarship. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays when he was like 18 and he played basketball for them as well. And so he's always done that kind of thing. And so this video is really funny. He's standing in the back watching me and I can hear this quaver in his voice <laughs> as I'm doing it because he obviously absorbed all my ner- nervousness because I surprisingly find like I'm I'm super competitive, which I have to try and nail that down sometimes. But that totally took me by surprise. And also sure. <laughs> when I when I go to a competition I'm all about the business. I just like, I'm for some reason, like it's just this calm happens and I don't get stressed out or worried about it at all. So that's been kind of a, a bad and a good. It's, it's, um, it was pretty, um, not nerve wracking, but I just like had no idea what to expect. And it's gone from being able to sort of, figure that out and and figure out my personal routine and I think that that helps in it it helps in so many other areas of my life as well that I can just sort of bring myself in and and focus yeah so So from that fear and that nervousness that you had and the 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 lack of knowledge of what you were getting yourself into what do you think uh you learned from that moment I mean you talked about how you sort of eventually discovered who you are as a competitor, like your competitive side and, and finding that calm. But in that, in that moment where you were freaked out, uh, what did, what did you learn from that going forward? Um, I think that, um, well, number one, how to calm yourself down. Sure. (laughs) Um, but also that you, um, you are so much more capable of what you usually give yourself credit for. 
And I think that that is a really big eye-opener. Um, yes, in Olympic lifting, but I think about people who um, decide that they're going to do a 5K race and they've never actually run more than, than 2K or, you know, two miles or five miles, whatever. I know we use... Um, <laughs> we use Celsius and everything. You guys, yeah, you guys have metric system. We do do we do have five Ks down here. Yes. <laughs> so, so you know, like that kind of thing of that, you know, like doing whatever it is, and you come out of it, and it's sort of like, wow, I actually could do that, and not only could I do it, but I could probably do more. And I think that's a really cool thing to have found with whatever sport you're in that you achieve your first goal and then all of a sudden you realize that well that wasn't really my end goal that's like my starting goal and now right. where am I going to go and and having that sort of empowerment of realizing that you are capable of doing pretty much whatever you put your mind to that's really cool and I think just the idea that um you can keep going until you can't anymore and, you know, maybe you're going to level out at what you can lift or what you can run or or how far you can swim or fast or anything like that. At the World Masters Games, there's 26,000 athletes in every sport you can imagine. Um, there was a woman from India who was, I think she was 100 or in her late wow. 90s, that was running. Now, obviously not super fast. Right. But fast enough and she yeah. complete the distance that she had decided to, that she was going to race. So it's really cool to see that, 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 um, people can adapt and, um, and discover new things like, you know, just because you never did it when you were 20 or 30, you can, you can try things like try it once. Maybe you don't like it. Like I always say that, you know, I'll try anything once. Well, that's kind of why you got into this mess, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much. Your year of yes. Yeah. Being that open to possibilities is like, that's really been a huge life changer for me. I've done so many things that are related to the, the confidence that I've, I've received from the weightlifting, but even you know, just connecting with um, different people. Like, I have to give my my trainer props because he's so good about connecting other people to people that they need to be with. And so, I have this massage therapist that I connected with through him, who is absolutely amazing and keeps me limber and healthy all the time and you know when I um, was trying to get organized to go to the World Masters Games I knew it was going I didn't know how it was going three months before I was leaving I still didn't have a plane ticket and then I had a local company that um, offered to pay my airfare and wow. so yeah so I mean like things like that like when you put yourself out there I think that's the thing people get so worried about who's going to say what about what they're doing or when they go into a gym I know that's so intimidating for so many people that um you know who's looking at me well most people are really not they're just they're not at all yeah they're busy doing their own thing and worried about right. someone else looking at them right but also when they see you go in there and it doesn't matter what your size is when you're in the gym and you're working out on a regular basis 
or you're at a track and you're running every single day, the other people that are there, whether they're better than you or, or not as good as you, they look at you and they see what you're doing and that inspires them. And that's what I've found that people are there to help you up. If you ask them a question and they see that you're working hard, they're more than happy to help you. And that's been a really big eye opener. I've always been a pretty shy, quiet person throughout my earlier life. Not so much now. People are surprised at <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think when you can actually own who you are, um, it makes such a big difference. And and sport can do that for people. Yeah, it's such a confidence builder. Yeah. Um, you don't know it until you do it. And then all of a sudden yeah. you've got confidence that translates to so many different areas of your life. Yeah, and I mean, non-sport people, that's really hard for them to understand that. Um, you know, and the same with the people that go in the gym and they do cardio, 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 and they look at the people that are doing weightlifting and they sort of think they're a bunch of meatheads. But actually, those people that are doing the weights and the strength training are probably stronger and really more fit than the people that are just doing the cardio. Right, right. And you need to be balanced. It's important yeah. to be balanced. Yeah. 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 So I want to move over. We talked about your your worst day or your hardest day, which was your first competition and the fear and the apprehension and everything that came with that. Can you tell me about your best day competing? I think my best day was probably when I was in New Zealand. That was pretty fun. It was, I don't usually travel by myself. So flying there on my own was sort of interesting. Um, I work for um, Canadian Blood Services. That's who I work for as my day job. And um, I had connected with the New Zealand Blood Services, so I was going to have a tour there. But when I got to the Airbnb that I stayed in, the woman that I was staying with said, oh, well, you know, if you hear my car in the night, that's probably what's going on. I've got to go to work. I'm called in. So I asked her where she worked. It turned out that she worked for New Zealand Blood Services. What so are the odds? Like, how is that? Like, you know, right? Small world that that happened. So it's just so much serendipity in your life. Yeah. So that, that was kind of kind of cool. It was the part of, you know, we got like a transit pass. So you could get everywhere by transit. And so that was really cool. And then there's so many athletes there. It was like, like a, an Olympics for old people, I guess you could call it. Although some sports have people in their 20s in it, but most of them you have to be 30 or 35 to compete. But um, there were so many people, and you'd be on these buses and just local transit, and, and people in the community would ask you, but they would see something that you were wearing that looked like a sport. And so they would ask you what sport you do were doing, and they'd ask you whether you had competed yet or not. And then if you said you had, they asked you how you did. And everybody was so friendly. And then if you said you had a medal, oh, my God, then you were like, everybody had to have your picture taken with it. So you ended up having to carry the medal around because people always wanted to see it. So that was really, really cool. And also the, um, it was a fairly small team from Canada that went. Um, two men and nine women, and a few of the women had met before, but most of us didn't know each other. And so being in that some supportive situation was really cool, too, of getting to know these people that you didn't know. And also, you know, stepping up, like 
I competed one of the first days that we were there. And so I just sent out a message like if anybody's available to come in and, you know, spot me in the in the training area, um, that would be great. And so I had like two or three people that came and helped me out during that time. And, you know, just prepping and being able to know when you need to go on the stage and stuff like that. So it was a really cool experience that way. And then to be able to go out there and just nail the lifts that you had to had to do and know that you were in a, you know, it was the World Masters Games, but every time they have the World Masters Games, a lot of sports um, will actually have their world championship at the same time. So it was a combination. It was the World Masters weightlifting as well as the World Masters Games. So they were all the international weightlifting union officials there. And so that was really exciting. And just to um, be on that stage and then nail what you needed to nail. And and I got a Canadian record at that. At that. Nice. So that was cool, too. And what a what a journey from that first day where you were terrified and there was yeah. so much unknown and then to to be in New Zealand on this huge, you know, this world stage and to just yeah. feel strong and confident and nail it, you know, that's quite a journey and again in such a short time. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to um just like the people that you got to meet too, you know, there was a fellow that was a New Zealander that um, had a gym there, a CrossFit gym and weightlifting, and he opened his gym to anybody from, that needed to train. So a bunch of us went there and trained. So you got to meet people from all different countries, but also this amazing guy who I've stayed connected with over the last couple of years just because he was such an awesome person. So that's really cool, the, the connections that you make in sport at any age are, are long-lasting. And the connections yeah. that you make as an adult, older, um, you kind of don't think you're going to get new friends <laughs> when you're right. When it you makes it more. Point. It makes it more meaningful. Yeah, and then yeah. just to go to a competition and see somebody that you maybe do lift against them, it doesn't matter. It's it's like a, weightlifting is a fairly small community, so it's kind of I always think of it as sort of grassroots. My kids were speed skaters, and it's a similar. Um, type of, of sport where there's not that many people in it that you don't really know who most of the people are and you get to know them. So that, yeah, that was a really big one. The The medal was awesome. The competition was awesome. But also the experience of those people that come from all over the place was really cool. Yeah. And isn't it great to, to create these friendships and these connections with these people? And they may be your competitors when you're on the stage, but outside of it, you're friends, right? Yeah. And I've had a really neat opportunity that um, I've connected with some people that do powerlifting as well as, as Olympic lifting um, in different areas of the world. And um, if I happen to be in an area close to them or they're in Vancouver, I've had an opportunity to meet up with them. So one of the women that we both follow each other lives in Australia and she came to um, Vancouver as part of her a world around the world trip with her husband. And so they actually stayed an extra day in Vancouver so that we could meet and have dinner together. And I've done a few like that where I've connected up with people and it's like old friends. It's yeah. such a cool thing. 
That's really cool. I love that. And I, I see it in different different sporting activities that I've been a part of. There's always that community of people who mm-hmm. are in it. And, and if you visit any city that, you know, you know, they're in and you may not see them all the time. You may not know them very well, but they will always have time for you. You may always have a place to stay. You know, it's it's so cool how athletic and sporting communities are like that in a in a range of sports. Yeah. And I think people, um, as we get older, we kind of discount that. We think that's not still the way when, in fact, it really is. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're bonded over something where, you know, you're living a healthy life. You're yeah. challenging yourself in a very different way than people expect. It is definitely unique and you connect over that. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of amazing how many people have a really similar story of, you know, it may be a completely different sport, but that they got into it for one reason and then it transformed them and their journey transformed and they ended up moving through it the similar way to you, but, yeah. but in a completely different sport even. And, yeah. and through, I mean, in the interviews that I've done on the show, I hear that story over and over again. It's a very yeah. common story in all the different sports that I, the athletes in the different sports that I've talked to. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. So um, I want to talk about uh, the, the, the unique challenges that maybe you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at the level you do in your 60s, starting in your 60s, what kinds of challenges do you face? Well, um, (laughs) one is just getting yourself sorted out so that you, um, you know, mentally, I think people that are not athletes in their younger years, if you haven't had that experience, then having the focus to take on a sport can be challenging um, to be able to do it, but also um, the likelihoods uh, or the likelihood of somebody older having an injury and having a longer injury recovery time is pretty great. So um, really for me, I try and be so careful about the stretching that I do and, and, um, the work that I do in the gym when I'm not working with my trainer, I try and make sure that I complement using different muscles so that I'm so that I'm I'm keeping my whole body healthy rather than just moving in one specific way for those lifts. And I think that's the big challenge. And and you know when you can um, when you can be really careful about what you're eating. And I mean, obviously, you're going to eat stuff that you shouldn't be eating, but everybody does that. That's human. That's, that's life. Right. right? But just being um, really cognizant of the things that you're eating and how your body is reacting to it keeps you more or less on an even, even plane with your health. And so being physically and mentally strong goes with that. So, and I also, um, particularly in the last little while, I'm really, um, open to trying um, different stuff as far as, um, you know, corrective medicine. So recently I've, I've tried cupping because I was having trouble with um, a bit of 
muscle slash joint pain in my hip that wasn't completely going away. So I've tried cupping. It happened to work really well for me. It doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But so I, and I definitely do use, um, I have an extremely good medical plan with my work. So I have unlimited massage and physiotherapy if I need it. And so I just regularly have a deep tissue massage every single week. And I know that that's partially what keeping me healthy is that I'm making sure that my muscles are all working properly. So that's one of the big things I think of just keeping yourself physically healthy and then you don't get the colds and the flus and all that that everybody else does because you're eating better, but you're also sweating it out every day. So colds and all those things go through you a lot faster. Yeah. And then you're taking the time for the recovery, the stretching, yeah. the weekly massage and really, really taking care of that, which so many people neglect. But as we get older, it is especially important. Yeah. And I think people sort of think, you know, if they've been an athlete in their 20s, they get into their 40s and they think they're going to do the same thing right away. And that's where you end up having injuries and stuff. So. Sure, sure. So let's talk about your coaching business. So you recently started a coaching business. It's called Lift You Up Coaching. How did that come about? And who are you looking to reach and help and how? So um, actually how it came about was at that trade show that I went to, um, speaking engagement, I actually met somebody um, who had a, um, was just starting her organization called, it's called Hungry for Happiness. Her name is Samantha Skelly. And she, um, basically the premise is it's not all about the food. It's about your belief system of of why you think what you think about yourself and and is that true? Is it something that you a learned behavior because your parents thought a certain way and and just sort of looking at at you know why do you do the things you do? Why do you feel the way you do? And so um, I sort of started looking into more of that and then I took a course with her. Um, to be one of her coaches and what I really found from it was that um, there's so many people like me who are in their 30s 40s 50s whatever who really spent the majority of their time looking after themselves or their business or their career and or their or their family they didn't look after their personal needs and wants and, you know, like they may shopped a lot, but they maybe didn't really physically or emotionally look after themselves. Right. And, and now they're like, I was at an event and this woman was like, well, I'm 49 and like my life is over. And I'm like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> you are talking to the wrong person. What you could be doing. <laughs> yes. So sit down. Let's talk. So many people out there that are in that situation where they kind of feel like that's how it's always used to be. That you know, once you get to a certain age, like you're done. Like you're going to retire and you're going to sit in a rocking chair or you're going to sit at the beach, but you're not going to be active and you you aren't going to be really contributing in any way. So that's sort of my target audience, if you could say, is that is is particularly women, but women and men who are at a stage in their life where everything revolved around others and they didn't really look after themselves. And now it's time that they need to do that and they just have no idea how to do it. So I can help them build some strategies around 
how they can change that life so that they can live the best life that they want. And we can look at, you know, what, you know, the belief system that you have, not in religious wise, but really like, why do you do the things you do? Like, why do you have that negative self-talk? Why do you, why do you believe that you have to be a certain way? Is that actually your belief or is it your partners or is it your parents were that and grandparents and everybody always did it, you know, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and some of these beliefs are so deep seated that, you know, and that, that could affect their relationship with fitness, their relationship with taking care of themselves or even their relationship with others. And, and I'm yeah. re- reminded of that woman you talked to that's like, Oh, I could never. And it's like, well, where is that coming from? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like her whole belief system was that she needed to serve her family. And I'm not saying ditch that, which a lot of people think, Oh my God, well then you just, it's all about me. Well, right. It's you know, one it, or the other, but you can do yeah. both. Yeah. Can you can take like care a, of yourself, which helps yeah. you become a better person to take care of your family. Yeah. It's yeah. like a work-life balance. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, you know, I do a lot of things for my kids. I'm a single mom now and I, well, single mom, my kids are adults, so it's not (laughs) single mom, but I'm single. So I, um, you know, I don't have someone else in my life that I have to answer to in that way. And I do a lot of stuff with my family, but it's also, um, you know, you need to be able to figure out what you need and what is your best life. And, and, you know, maybe it's not what, what you used to do maybe it's a version of what you used to do but you can figure that out and I have a 95 year old mother that um can still do a pretty good tuck and roll when she trips so um (laughs) drives her own her own car and lives on her own still so I'm planning on being around for quite some time that's right and the more you take care of yourself the more likely you will be that 95 year old who can tuck and roll and yeah and drive your own car because it it all the physical well-being plays into your mental well-being. It plays into your mobility. It plays into your overall health. And then that's how you can continue to be active and mobile in your more advanced years. Yeah. And there's a certain part of that generation that's in their late 80s and 90s that, you know, they were probably hauling water and wood and, and hiking. And, you know, they didn't have cars. They didn't have a lot of the stuff right. that we had so you know, that's coming back to help them in their later years for sure. Oh yeah. Cause they didn't always have a gym. They were just yeah. doing work, working on the farm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so before we go, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I think really the main thing is don't be afraid to just step up and try. And, you know, if you're open to the opportunities that come your way and the possibilities that could come from that, then that's huge. And, you know, like where you think you're going and where you're actually going are not necessarily the same place. But if you're open to those opportunities, then amazing stuff happens. Um, I would never have thought when I first stepped in that gym that I would be doing weightlifting at all, never mind competing and traveling with it. Right. Yeah. And because of your openness, you just kind of followed the wave of the journey. If you follow the path that it takes you, um, there's people to help you along the way. 
So yeah. just be open to that. That's really been the common thread in this entire conversation is really openness. And yeah. I, I, I think it's so important. And so many people limit themselves by not being open, by thinking the I could never mindset yeah. and, and, and your willingness to be open. And hopefully people are really letting that sink in by listening to this right now because it can change your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So finally, if someone wants to learn more about you or how to work with you through Lift You Up Coaching, how can they do that? Let's talk social media handles because you got a few. So um, I actually still have my Instagram, Beast Mode Grandma, but if you go to that, you'll you'll see there's something on it that just tells you to go to <laughs> to lift you up coaching because I um I wanted to keep the beast mode beast mode grandma handle for, for now. Yeah, you don't want to get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. it's such a cool you name. So yeah. But um, you're more active on um at lift you up coaching. Yes, yeah, so lift you up Co- yeah. coaching is where I post regularly and a variety of things. Um sometimes motivational stuff, um Sometimes lifting stuff. I haven't posted a lot of lifting stuff recently, um, but I will be more um, now. And then I have a Facebook page called Beast Mode Grandma, which is generally all about um, weightlifting and and some of my blogs. And I also have a, a Facebook page called Lift You Up Coaching, which has some of the similar stuff on it. And um, I have a website called Lift You Up Coaching. So I have a blog on that. I haven't updated it recently, but I have a number of past blogs on it. And it gives you a bunch of information about me. And um, as you can see when you look at it, that I don't look like the super, super buff, all muscle (laughs) (laughs) Olympic weightlifter. (laughs) I'm kind of like one of those, what do they call them? Um, Like a sleeper. (laughs) you're a sleeper yeah but that's good because then people will underestimate you yeah and that's always good when you're going into competitions you want people to underestimate you yeah so um yeah that's a good place to like you can contact me through the email there and i have that posted on my um instagram and i'm also on twitter i'm pretty active on twitter i do a lot of um a lot of stuff about mental health as well um and um just connecting people with that because I think that that um, the fitness is huge, but the mental health that you get from the fitness is so dramatic. And so many people that suffer from depression, uh, well, it's hard to get out of the house sometimes, but also they don't really realize that that physical activity that they could choose to do is so helpful. So helpful. And I will share all of those on the show notes for this episode as well. So if people didn't quite get all that, because there's a lot, um, I'll post that on the episode page for this episode. So people can go right to any of those links, follow you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter, check out your website. And if someone out there connects with what you were saying in regards to your coaching, definitely reach out. So Sue, thank you so much for being on the season athlete. Um, I love how active you are on Instagram because I've actually had the opportunity to see what you do and how you are inspiring people just by being the beast mode grandma that you are. (laughs) And it makes me happier that we got to chat and I got to learn more about you. And I know that people are going to be inspired by your story. And hopefully you've encouraged at least one person, if not more, to live a life with an open mind and be open to new experiences. And maybe somebody else, some other grandmas can find their inner beast mode and switch it on 
So thank you again for being on the show today. Appreciate being on it. Thank you. All right, seasoned athletes, here are a few top takeaways from Beast Mode Grandma, Sue Spencer. Number one, working out can be therapeutic. It's good for the mind and the soul as well as the body. If you're looking to reduce anxiety and stress and improve your mental well-being, physical exercise can help. Number two, the connections you make through sport at any age are meaningful, even more so as you get older. As we age, it's common to find it to be harder to make new friends and create new connections. Sport can be a bond that brings people together in a truly special way. Not only will you find yourself getting stronger and healthier, but you will likely end up creating friendships with like-minded people who are all sharing this common experience with you. And number three, don't be afraid to step up and try. Sue made it a point to say yes to new experiences, and she ended up finding a sport that changed her life. Everything is new to everyone at one point, and new things can be scary and intimidating, but they can also be incredibly rewarding. So challenge yourself to say yes to new experiences, and you never know what amazing things that attitude can bring to your life. Thanks again to Sue Spencer. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard in this episode is from the coolest nerd I know, Jason Achilles. Learn more about him at jasonachilles.com. Do you know someone who would make a great guest on the show? Or do you have a unique and inspirational story to share? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com. Check out our entire library of episodes and get to know our distinguished seasoned athlete alumni at seasonedathlete.me. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are feeling super inspired to train like a seasoned athlete, visit rutsm.com and learn about how to train with me to help bring out the seasoned athlete in you. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you so can. 